How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Good. Nice. All right, so that's anyway. it. That's it. <laughs> Wrap it up. No follow-up whatsoever. <laughs> Glad it's good. Okay, oh, no follow-up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right, I, dude. I thought, um, <laughs> I thought that I thought that the no follow-up was itself <laughs> going to be the follow-up for something else, but no, that's that's it. We kill I, it right there. I will explain since okay. you're also fucking curious. Uh-huh. Uh, today was just an okay day. I mean, work is always. I mean, I could always go into detail about that, but I won't. Mm-hmm. Just in the off chance that anybody ever listens to it, I love my job. It's great, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like. Food today was decent. Had some leftovers. I took friend Steve's advice. I marinated the chicken thighs that I got mm. that had bones in them, which is why they were so cheap. Um, I gotcha. did not realize at the time, mm. but I literally just put it in a, ba- a Ziploc bag with like uh, teriyaki stuff, and I threw in some other like seasoning blend that I've had forever, and I just let it sit for twenty four hours, Ooh. and then I just did it all in the pan, which flipped it occasionally. Uh, the skin got seared. I probably did not need to add any butter because I could have just, you know, cooked it skin side down first, let the mm-hmm. fat render out. TLDR, gotcha. I ended up making some very nice uh, chicken fried rice uh, yesterday, which I had some leftovers of today. That's pretty good. Hence my sensitive. amazing mood. You feed me one good meal. Yeah, we're, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. I can counterbalance all of that. I have worked my way through of uh, the hot pockets that we received from friend of the show <laughs> and special guest Demooch. Um I forgot gone. <laughs> I'm free of those. I can start breaking into my own personal uh pepperoni hot pocket <laughs> reserves, but I'm going to I'm going to give it some time. <laughs> do you feel gross after eating hot pockets? A little bit. Uh yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay, um then. It's kind of like it's just a weird it sometimes leaves like a weird flavor, a re- weird taste in your mouth. Like half of those, I think, were like full on edible because um, it was just a variety of flavors. Half of them were like pretty much edible. One of them, I think, was like good. But the problem is I don't remember which one was good. And it's like I'm not going to play Minesweeper to find the edible hot pocket. Right. Like pepperonis. OK, eat it with a sauce. It's fine. Good enough, right? It's not worth like risking your life for one of the ones that's catastrophically bad or maybe slightly better than pepperoni. Yeah, I feel like pepperoni is fine enough if I had to have one in like an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want to have two because that would make that would create its own separate emergency situation. Right. Where Mm -hmm. I need a bathroom stat because it just. It's not food, food, and it doesn't agree with my body. Mm-hmm. That's normal because it's it's not really food, food. Yeah, and- um, I will say when I eat it, I've, so I've I've tried like different sauces. I've used some hot sauce, that's fine. Um, I've used ranch, that's okay. I don't, it's it's okay. Um, but uh, a one is actually my favorite of all of these. Just steak sauce, straight up, just steak sauce. Um, Do you know what I love about a one? Huh. I almost never use it with steak. Yeah, I mean, I never really eat steak, to be honest. <laughs> but, like, it, it does taste good. Like, I like the mm-hmm. tang of A1. I should pick that up. Yeah, it's good stuff. Keep it in bulk. Buy it by the gallon. You can't. You, <sighs> they they only have it. Like, if you're lucky, you can get a bulk pack that's, like, plastic. 
but the standard container is like full on glass. Like, uh, what's the um the alcoholic beverage with Jack in the name? Jack Daniels. That it's like a it's like a skinny Jack Daniels bottle. That's what A one is usually in. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But anyways, Baldur's Gate three. Oh what's yeah, the, but, what's yeah, the backstory Baldur's... for this episode? <laughs> For the so, the if you guys remember ten years ago, um, yeah. we started playing this game. Hmm. But no, um, I'll do a, a summarized backstory. Uh, Jake and I played Divinity Two a very long time ago. For me, it was like a a renaissance of RPGs. Fell yeah. in love with it, and was like, "Holy shit! I need more games like this." And, and this was it, a surprise for me. I'm going to interject. I was very surprised that Dave got like hardcore into a CRPG. Because that's very much what Divinity is. Um, I was just—I didn't realize you, your interest in the genre could extend into. You know, I I don't even remember how I started playing it. I don't know if somebody suggested it or what it was, but at some point I tried it. It got its uh, hooks in me pretty much, and I just really liked the focus on character development. It wasn't like some AAA thing where it's like. I don't like you because I'm an upright citizen. You guys are hooligans. Uh-huh. And that's like as that's as far as it goes. Um, but yeah, that's Divinity 2. Had a lot of things I liked in it. And I was like, when can I get more of this? And then it was dead quiet for years. Yeah. Um, I forced a couple of other people to play Divinity 2 with me again. Mm-hmm. So thank you for everyone who has. Uh, shout outs to Mike, Justin, Jake again. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> that led to our actual <laughs> podcast episode on it. Yes. Yeah, we eventually did do that. I remember I had like three pages of notes on it. Mm-hmm. And then like seven years later, they're like, hey, Baldur's Gate 3. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about D&D. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, Larian's doing it. I'm like, damn it. All right. <laughs> all right, I'm back in. It just, we just caught him in the library, like water deep, reading up on D&D lore. He's like, this could come into play in the story. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. But <laughs> yeah, it's. I've always liked like high fantasy. I've always liked D&D from like a... Uh, universe setting and lore perspective yeah it's just mm-hmm. tabletop mechanics can suck my dick i don't have the patience for that it's just not for me right right that's right so this was a really cool way for me to approach that with a game structure that i already really liked mm-hmm. and jake was of a similar mind as far as i know mm-hmm. to where you also appreciated divinity 2 and you had interest in Baldur's gate yeah yeah so, i think prior to Baldur's gate 3 like divinity 2 is the best classic crpg like now i haven't played all of them and there's a lot that i started playing that i never finished like planescape torment or uh what was the other one uh neverwinter uh i think i had enhanced edition for that a lot of these or the older Baldur's gates even right like one and two shadows of om but uh yeah uh larian specific take on crpgs is incredibly approachable for something that people really have a hard time breaking into and even if they break into it it's like i could play something else and it'd be a lot easier or it'd be a lot more accessible yeah but no they've the mechanics didn't feel too overly convoluted Mm -hmm. there are definitely some like nuances you can pick up over time but it's not really going to hinder you that much if you haven't mastered it uh, immediately Mm -hmm. but and it's worth it's worth noting. I, I I know that we cannot go into details for divinity, right? But in some ways, there's differences between that 
and Baldur's Gate 3. And Divinity, for an on-ramp into classic RPGs, like it uses an action point-based system for what you do. And I feel like that's just easier to to understand if for someone who's like played video games, right? It's just like, oh, I have a green bar, and if I move, I am using some of the green bar, and if I make an attack, it requires this much of the green bar, right? Um, it's a lot less like D and D. Most characters have thirty feet of movement. You have an action, you have a bonus action. Sometimes your action is, you know, like it can cover these activities. Bonus action is these activities. Maybe you have a buff or something. You have multiple bonus action. Like it all gets more complicated than green bar, full me happy me attack five times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that 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 that's part of a thesis I want to explore later in the discussion of Baldur's Gate, which is the comparison between the games. And ultimately, which one's better? But don't, don't. <laughs> get that devil well, out of here. We're so late. We're so late to Bald. It's literally one game of the year. People already know this if they follow anything in the gaming space. We have to have a hot take. All right. All right. It's necessary. So um, I will say at, at the point of recording, um we're we're finally done. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of tantric Baldur's Gate three for. <laughs> I don't even want to look at when we started. It was like Q three, uh, <laughs> yeah, early Q four. It, it has generous. been a bit. yeah. Um, but I will say we we were done, and there's still so much I feel like we haven't checked out that like mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna go. I know you're gonna you've already started your single player playthrough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to go back and explore some things, maybe try a different build, different choices throughout the game. Because mm-hmm. it is, it is so laden with content. Yeah, and good, good RPG word. Ah, mm-hmm. I would like to get laden by the maiden, please. <laughs> yeah, um, my wait, my my brain went to uh, average airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, one thing I love about Larian's design in general is. There's a lot of stuff in the game that you don't have to interact with, mm-hmm. which from like a game dev standpoint, theoretically, you want everybody to enjoy all the aspect of things that you've put effort into making. Right. But uh, from a gamer's perspective, uh, capital G gamer, uh-huh. it feels nice to have those options. So it's like using I'm trying to think of a first thing in Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty early. Mm-hmm. So in general, with a lot of RPGs, you typically have the option of diplomacy. Maybe I can talk this out. Maybe I can be on good terms with this character and we can avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to do conflict. Maybe the only way to do it is to fight it out. Um, Maybe you want to sneak around and steal something or murder somebody. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of angles you can take to it. And that always feels nice because it's not going to inhibit your specific playthrough. You can still do it the way you want. Mm-hmm. And also with like the content you haven't experienced, it feels kind of fresh each time to go back in and maybe just uh, explore around some other things and find something. Or like I was saying before, make a different choice for something and have something interesting happen. You're like, oh shit, I didn't know that happened. Yeah, I think that's that's really fair. And it's something that's, it's a very pragmatic decision that people need to make in game development, right? If you're putting resources into something that a subsection of your player base will not see, you got to justify why that is the case, right? Like, and it's pretty bold to say like, oh yeah, like 50% maybe of like the voice lines in our game 
um, will be unheard the first time someone goes through, right? Um, there's all sorts of things. Like Divinity did as well. Um, I will say like prior to this, my standout for this space of like generating content, using characters, dialogue, stuff like that that could be unused was actually Mass Effect because you can like straight up kill or not kill, <laughs> uh, choose to have someone die in the first game who then technically had content through all of the rest of the game, including lines yeah. and stuff like that. Um, that was pretty big back then, right? This is a development beyond that even where um, there's a whole bunch of dialogue in the game that is, you know, call and response. So like one recorded voice line from um, uh, or one line coded for your protagonist, but then a voice line from whatever NPC you're talking to, if you're a specific class and there's like nine of those for D&D. Mm-hmm. So like it might be 10 now. I don't know if Artificer counts as one of the nines, but uh, or one of the originals, but like, it's a lot. It's just so much content that you absolutely will not see. And you really cannot see unless you play through as every class making pretty much every decision. And on top of that, on top of all of this, we haven't talked about origin characters. I'm just going to introduce it. Like in Divinity and in Baldur's Gate 3, you can play as an origin character who is somebody who's already placed in the world. They have a plot line in progress at the point that you start playing, right? Um, there are cutscenes and dialogue that you only get if you're playing that origin character not they're in your party you have to be playing that character to even oh, see god it. damn it like you could play this game 20 times and still be seeing new things that's how crazy it is like hopefully yeah. we've driven that point home yeah it's it's absolutely insane um which is why I don't want to immediately hammer down again and be like, all right, new playthrough. Uh-huh. Shouts to the people who had that energy. Um, I definitely do want to go back to it, just like Cyberpunk, where I just take a fresh uh, crack at it and get to experience some new things. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's just, it's so good. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. spend like a brief moment outside of the analysis and talking about specifics. Yeah. It's just so fucking fun. Um like act one obviously spent the most time there across like multiple different play sessions with people. Right. Um, but it's just, it doesn't take long for you to get immersed in the world. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, there's some shit with goblins. Fuck them. Um, and then you're getting to know some of the characters. You're like, Oh, there's like, I'm meeting all these, uh, people I can have in my party. Who do I want to have in my party? Oh, they seem cool. This person seems like a bit of an asshole. I do like that. The people who I like, or rather, the people who I dislike, everyone else loves. Uh-huh, yeah. I think Lazel's an asshole. <laughs> and I know there's some people who are like, no, I stand Bazel. And I'm like, uh-huh. I don't see it. I also didn't like Asterion. Great voice actor. All, mm-hmm. More power to him, but like, just... His, his character is pretty much an a-hole. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I just didn't have the patience to have him in the party. Maybe a woman next playthrough. I don't know. I think... Um, I think part of it is the charisma that like the voice actors bring to these characters. Oh yeah, hundred like, percent. I've made this care. I've made this comparison outside of the podcast, but like between this and Starfield, there's no comparison. Like the least interesting character in this game is significantly better from a charisma perspective than the most interesting character in Starfield. Yeah, I remember when we were talking. This is specifically in Act Three. It's like outside of a circus, there's a a ghoul. Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And ghouls are typically just bad entities yeah. but this was like a tamed ghoul 
but it also still like wanted to murder and like see carnage and mayhem mm-hmm. um so like when you leave the circus after like uh, a fight breaks out like he he finds out that like he missed that whole thing and he's like yeah. and he was sad uh-huh. now you've talked to this ghoul for like maybe 30 seconds tops right they don't have a character arc they just they're this one note i'm a ghoul and i want to do this thing but i can't cause i'm outside yes um and he felt genuinely sad in that moment that he missed like all the blood and murder mm-hmm. um and like that drives home so much when you have a character who's just i'm this how much mm-hmm. am i th- oh a thousand percent this right like you don't ever get the feeling where it's oh it's a guy off the street or this mm-hmm. is just an npc it's i mean there are some just like filler npcs like people walking around town mm-hmm. but whenever you're interacting with like a shop person or like somebody who has some dialogue like it's it goes deep and you feel it yeah which it is feels why like... you'll take so long in some of these acts because you're like okay i have a quest line here oh they said something about this it's all in your journal and tracks so you don't have to worry about managing it but mm-hmm. you just i i at least just got so so wrapped up in it yeah they larian does an excellent job of placing characters in the world and making them belong there Yes. Regardless of how much interaction you have with that character, it feels like that character belongs in the world and they could be a playable character, right? Yeah. Like and that's that's big. It's a big accomplishment. It's excellent to have in your game and it's very immersive because you don't have these ex- kind of like wooden experiences where you're like I don't think a real person would act that way. There's outlandish things that happen in this game, but within the fiction and the story as it's ongoing, they all seem believable. Like, yes. so what's going on? And people it's... operate within their own sphere of what they want. Uh, yes. Which is very important. Also, to mir- mimic what you were saying earlier, the voice acting, amazing. Not mm-hmm. even just for, like, the main characters. Even a lot of the side characters. They very much have their own identity, and it comes through a lot with the dialogue. Yeah. Um Okay, I'm not gonna list all the examples, but <laughs> there, there's, I mean, you could basically most of the dialogue so in the good. game is really good. Occasionally, there's just like an excellent line. Um, a lot of times, it's innuendo. The game is, uh, it's got a lot of innuendo. Um, it kind of does the whole. I don't know what started this. I know. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dragon Age might have accelerated it, but it's like, hey, if you're playing an RPG and you have party members, they need to be romanceable. And this game is just like, I think Mass Effect had like a, a bit of like a, a, a different characters would have like different sexualities. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just like some characters might be interested in you regardless. Some would only like uh, like masculine characters. Some would only like feminine character. But like um, <laughs> Baldur's Gate is just like everybody. Yes. Everything. Anybody Everyone. you talk to <laughs> wants to fuck you a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, like. Um, and, uh, like the, my, my, my character after our, our save, uh, when I'm going through a single player, um, I'm playing as will I'm doing playing will as the origin character, but I want to explore how all these characters will react to me. Um, if I'm perceived, if I seem to be someone else. Mm -hmm. So I use a tremendous amount of disguise self as just like masculine or a, a strong female drow and like. (laughs) <laughs> my wife told me that like you get through so many things in act one if you just are a drow yeah a hundred percent true 
<laughs> Everybody are just like, defer to you, II chief. <laughs> yeah. All the goblins are like, Drow, drow's higher echelon. I can't. I'm just gonna take orders and you know, not put my nose into it. Uh huh. It's it's just excellent. There's there's so much going on in the game. It's impossible. It's very difficult to pick out like what to talk about. Which is probably why we have to <laughs> plan that more. But um, um, I will say as a brief comparison to say if you have experience with Divinity Two but you have not checked out Baldur's Gate Three yet, mm-hmm. one do it. Uh, just do it. It's good. Um, but something I was very used to in Divinity 2 was there was a lot of area AoE type magic mm-hmm. where you'd have like here's a giant puddle of ice like gigantic. Surfaces. As soon as yeah. surfaces start to like interact with each other it would blend oh you cast fire on that now it's steam oh mm-hmm. you have electrified steam oh it's now smoke. All this stuff is always happening all the time in Divinity and whether you like it or not it's there. Yeah. Whereas electrified it, blood. <laughs> yeah. It can exist in Baldur's Gate 3, but it's not to the same scale. Yes. Like if you freeze some water, it's like, oh, bit o bit o ice. Uh-huh. So it's not as impactful from that regard. Um and all the spells very much follow D and D, but I will say I very much enjoyed that. Because it's mm-hmm. not like I have a wealth of experience in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, from a tabletop perspective outside of four sessions is it yeah. four i got through yeah four it was, yeah it was around that um no i very much enjoyed um the magic system mm-hmm. i always wish i had more spell slots but i very much found myself going into warlock mm-hmm. and seeing how far i could push eldritch blast which is just yeah. it's the best i don't want any other spells um I told Dave about this like after or it was near the last session of our playthrough. So there's no way you could really make build decisions. But I was like, you only need like two levels in Warlock and then you can just like max out something else and your Eldritch Blast will be ridiculous. But it's fine. It's fine. Not everybody has to metagame like crazy. Um, I do, however, though, and where Dave was saying I'm the negation of Dave when it comes to every all of these disclaimers about not being familiar with D&D like. I ran it as a dungeon master for years, right? So constantly while we were playing through the thing, uh Jake's like, well, actually in the tabletop game, and this would be a different type of stuff. Uh I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or a god was mentioned, right? I was just like, oh, yeah, Joaquin, you know, the god of trade. (laughs) For the record, I found it interesting and informational, not like throwing you under the bus for that. Uh Uh-huh. It is a little bit of like, um, I do think I'm a little guilty of that, specifically for D&D, because it is something I'm familiar with and interested in. It's like, Everyone's sitting down to watch a movie, and it's like, I bet that guy right there is probably trying to do this. And then, like, if that happens in the movie, you're like, see, see, I called it. And people are like, shut up. We yeah. just want to watch the movie, <laughs> right? Um, I think that would be a fair take. But they do uh, an excellent job of bringing um, Forgotten Realms uh, to life. Uh, and what's funny about this, they do a better job of it than, like, Wizards of the Coast ever have. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of Larian's thing. It's a little dangerous for that. Yeah, um, I don't really think you can compare Larian stuff to anybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, they spent like seven or eight, or maybe even more years on this game. Yeah, and it shows outside of the bugs. Um, but it's just mm, again very much a lot of attention to detail as far as storytelling mm-hmm. and. It's so good for that. Yeah. 
and it's pretty impressive like for it is it is a lengthy game obviously crpg usually takes a long time but you are level constrained to 12 which out of the 20 maximum levels you you can have in fifth edition it doesn't seem like that much most campaigns aren't going to go this long like most campaigns won't get you to 12 um like if you're actually just playing at the tabletop like it would take probably a year or two to reach that level playing you know once a week with friends um so it gets you through a lot of content faster and it's not that it has everything from the tabletop they knew a lot of things they wanted to cut um for instance they they've outright mentioned larian mentioned um they wanted to do dispel magic but all of the things that are magical in the game could have an interaction with dispel magic and they're like we can't we we just can't so there is no dispel magic spell um but for what they covered it's a lot it is a whole lot of the uh the tabletop D&D experience um but it's in some ways better than that i will actually say i'm actually i'm afraid for people who play Baldur's gate first and then go into trying to play the tabletop game because there are not that many dms that are voice actors like the characters in your party right in a larian game it's you're basically trying to do the whole thing through an entirely different medium and Mm -hmm. you can't really do that and have it measure up in the same way yeah again video games are immersive you the person is very much keyed in on their own experience on the screen they're basically watching a movie that they get to interact with yeah um and also combat's going to be infinitely quicker than it would be on tabletop because you're controlling all the characters or you're in a party of people who can just click and it's done for the most part Mm -hmm. versus writing rolling die writing it down Oh, we gotta do the thing. Gotta move the piece here. But, 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 but. And enemies just take their turns. They don't need a person back there. Yeah. Like evaluating what they should do. And you're like, all right, I am the AI for each of these fifteen goblins or whatever, right? Um, enemies just take their turns. So most of the time is spent with the players making decisions, um, which speeds it up a, a fair amount. Um, I will say to the player decision part, this is more so from a story standpoint. Um, there are a lot of quests that you'll get throughout the game mm-hmm. where it's not definitively this person's right, this person's wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to do this, I don't want to do that. A lot of times you'll get some very gray things. You're like, none of these options feel great, but here we are. Yeah. And you shot, kind of have to pick one and lead into it. And I always like those types of dilemmas. Not exactly a trolley problem mm-hmm. so much, but it is a question that when you answer it, you will kind of learn something about yourself or at least who you're RPing as. Yeah. Um, the picture of Larry and Gray. <laughs> yeah. Um, I very much did like the trying to lean into the RP aspect of it. Uh, my character was a warlock who was very power hungry. So mm-hmm. like if there's any possibility to get cool magic, I don't care what it is. Give me that magic. Right. So as soon as necromancy came up, I'm like, just snap my fingers. I'm like, give me that shit. Let me inject it into my veins. Literally. Uh-huh. Um, Involving but, fluid. <laughs> <laughs> the, the I guess the the counterpoint to that is, but I also my character was dating Carlock. Yes, and Carlock, as you know, is very morally good yes. at all times. Um, She's actually the most morally well, except maybe Will, like the most explicitly morally good character. Yes, but she's light hearted good. Yes, 
Um, but I would try and navigate being a power hungry sociopath while also, you know, not trying to make Carl act as approve of me constantly. Uh-huh. So it was fun to walk that. Yeah. Yeah. All of the, um, and this is actually the reason that some people, uh, really like Lazelle is because although she is super abrasive, I don't think many people could contest that. Um, she has complexity to her character and her motivations, and they can shift over the course of the game. And so somebody that you see in an unsympathetic light, by the end of the game, you can be like, I'm all, all oh, yeah. for this person, right? I'm sure and Larian's even, very good at that. I could even grow to love... Uh, who's the sorcerer guy we let die immediately? Gale. Gale. Mm-hmm. Um, Took his hand. Yeah, <laughs> as a souvenir, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. Let's go along with my dead pixies. Um, mm-hmm. He's not... I'll be honest. That's the one guy I really don't like. <laughs> Most of the people are fine. He's it's not that he's bad. He's just uh he's kind of a little bit generic. Um yeah. And he's self-important. That's kind of the problem. But not in an endearing like like I'm all, you know, mustache twirling, I'm so sophisticated, but more like we have very important things to do here and I'm very smart, right? Yeah. I just it didn't vibe with that as much. I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't fit in, into some of the tropes. Like, if you like the scoundrel type character, you'll really like Asterian. Um, if you like pragmatic character um, who absolutely just A to B, nothing in between wants to get to the goal, then you may like, you know, Lazel. Um, and each of the characters has something like this, right? Even Withers. <laughs> Yeah. Who, if you don't like Withers, do not talk to me. We are no longer friends. It was Um, not even a companion. No. Just an NPC you talked to, but. um. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. Uh There's just so many, like, memorable things throughout the game. Um, Mm. Also, I know we kind of dipped away from it for a bit, but I did want to say I really like that some of the dialogue, not even both the dialogue options that you have. Mm-hmm. really covers a nice range but also like the way that other characters speak it's not in this generic you spit on my face now i'm er grr, i'm mad at you uh-huh. like people have very poignant lines or they might subvert your expectations as far as how they react with something um it's just mm, so fucking good yeah when you Who talk did you to play as by the so way I, <laughs> yeah so i played as um the dark urge origin character which is the only origin character that um is missing from the game if you don't play as them they just do not exist yeah um but <laughs> i don't recommend it necessarily for first time playthroughs this is the reason that we killed gale i think <laughs> and and asterian <laughs> in our playthrough asterian had nothing to do with the dark urge so i i went back and i tested it and i think it's easier to do if you're the dark urge. Um, you have to like fail a check uh, to like headbutt him or something like that. Like it goes to, co- I feel like it goes to combat faster. I reloaded multiple times to test this. Did you manage to headbutt him and go straight into combat? I'm getting a head shake. So when we were doing it in our other thing where we were just like basically shovey murder hobos. Yeah. Um, I think we we had a similar exchange with Gale, or sorry, Asterian. Mm-hmm. And then somebody did like a strength or intimidation check, and he's like, okay, my bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of two things happened. Either we, I shoved him as the dark urge and then it like went to combat, which is the way I remember it, but that could be a false memory. Yeah. Or we confirmed it via dialogue afterwards. Like, Hey, okay, I'm going to attack. Um, but in either case, you have to explicitly choose to attack him for it to actually lead to his death. Um, but he jumped me with a knife. I <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you expect? This is a plausible reaction. Anyways. Um, some people were very offended. <laughs> when I was talking to people at the game, they're like very offended about the origin characters we killed in Act 1. <laughs> yep. um, people are like, oh, I love this person. I love this person. Jake's like, yeah, I killed him. I don't know. Yeah, they, <laughs> I, I have no idea who that person is. <laughs> or people would be talking about like later parts of the game once we got there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I that didn't have that happen at all. What are you talking about? And they're like, what do you mean? Like when Gail shows up and the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who's Gail? (laughs) (laughs) Just goes to show how much variety there can be. Yes. Did you like playing the dark urge? I mean, it was a fun, it was a fun narrative experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually recommend, well, I say don't play dark urge because it kind of like pushes you towards these these <laughs> the dark urge i guess like killing people and things like that um i would recommend playing any of the other origin characters because they all have something in the story that you can immediately latch on to um and they're placed in the world if you play a custom character outside of your relationship with the other origin characters like you yourself don't really have any i i i want to say any part in the story but like any explicit part, you're just yeah. a stand-in hero. There's not, yeah. Stand-in hero is a perfect. Say, you're a part of the group, but nothing specifically. Ah, yes, you Tav. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, you're the leader. Yeah. Yeah. You're just. You're also there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the origin characters are really fun, and if you don't play one then that means you've got like another six playthroughs you got to clear so you can see the special scenes for all, each origin character. So you might as well get them out of the way. I'll have to play more. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, it is really good. Mechanically, you know, you talked about some of the differences to uh, Divinity. I will say it is D&D light in a lot of ways, but even more than that, because D&D light just implies they took stuff away, they, they changed things in the system to make it work better as a video game. Um, and I feel like I need to provide some examples and not just leave that in the air. Uh, so some of the things they changed in the system are like, um, anyone can use spell scrolls in five E you can only use spell scrolls. If, uh, you would be capable of casting that spell. Like if it's on your class list and you can cast a spell of that level, Fuck that. that's really boring by comparison, right? Yeah. It um, feels cool to just find a level four spell scroll and you're like, I don't know when I'm going to need this, but I'm going to put it in my pocket in case. Yes. And then you get into a difficult combat. You're scrolling through all of your potions, uh, magical equipment that maybe I can switch something out. Maybe I can do a very uh, context-based spell. Mm-hmm. It feels nice versus having it be gated where I'm only the martial melee class or I'm only this. Yeah. It's very much nice to uh, mix it up. And they like another example is uh, potions. Potions are just a bonus action. Um, and I think throwing a potion may be an action in the tabletop. Throwing a potion is not a thing, does not exist at all. And using a potion is an action. This is actually something that after playing Baldur's Gate, we 
um, went to uh, our, our D&D campaign. Uh, I'm not running this one. Um, and we're just like, can we just can we use potions as a bonus action? Like, can we just do that? And DM's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Seems fair because he played the game also. And he knows that it kind of just opens up, um, you know, some of that some of that uh, play space. Um, and then they they changed a lot of things about like classes, like thieves. Uh, thief is a archetype for rogue. They get two bonus actions. That's insane. There's nothing in D&D 5e that like just gives you two bonus actions like the tabletop game. Mm. But you're like, OK, well, how powerful is this really? A lot of people broke it, but uh, it's cool to be able to be like, oh, yeah, multiple offhand attacks because those would use your bonus action. Um, And so whenever there was a question of like, is this cool or is this balanced? Larian was like, go with cool. Yeah. It feels nice to pop off and have your build come together Mm -hmm. and you strategically start to think out, oh, for this encounter, uh, how much damage would a deal do with this? What could I who should I target? Who should I prioritize? Oh, maybe I should do something environmental instead. Yeah. Um, like there was a. Hope this isn't spoilers. I mean, we talk about it more anyway. Yeah, we're um, at light spoilers. I yeah. think right now we can either way. Whether you there is to, a yeah. spider boss in a cave system. Yeah. And that's not even a spoiler. That's Shelob's layer. Spiders and are in caves. <laughs> yeah. Heads up. But we figured out pretty early on you can target the webs that the spiders on, and it will mm-hmm. drop them, and they will take gravity damage yeah and i was like we can abuse the fuck out of this so we did and it was really cool to have that happen mm-hmm. now did i get the full range of experience i could have had with the spider boss maybe not but that will always live in my brain as a fun memory of yeah. hey we found a, a kind of unique solution to this problem yeah that other people probably found as well i don't think we're the only ones to set the web on fire but mm-hmm. yeah they had like cool to have the support beams for like a watchtower that an enemy mm-hmm. might be standing on. There's all sorts of things you could do with the environment. And while you could say a cynic might say like, oh, well, in the tabletop game, if you're in narrative play, you can just say like, oh, I swing across the chandelier and swing my sword or whatever. Right. You could do whatever. But the reality is, unless it's presented to, as an option in front of you, a lot of people wouldn't think to like blow the legs out of the watchtower. They're just going to continue to take ranged attacks. Yeah. At the person that's on top. And maybe that's what your dungeon master expects. So it might take them more time to prepare if you're like, uh, I think we can hit a resonance frequency if I play these drum- magical drums just right. That's going to cause like the sand to shift. We're going to cause liquefaction to kill all the goblins. Like that's what I'm going for right now. A lot of DMs aren't going to be ready for that. I wouldn't be. <laughs> so DMs like, you want a Donkey Konga to do what? Uh huh. Sand prison from Naruto? I, mm, I, I don't know. So what Larian did is they gave you a lot of options for things that could come up in the tabletop game, but people are more likely to do because they're presented as such. Explosive barrels being a great example. Um, things like that. Um, so they wanted to. It's clear that one of their design principles was to give people the feeling of playing D&D and some of the freedom and not just be this is you know a shining force like tactics game where we're just taking turns yeah. attacking each other so so jump back to Divinity 2 um, one of the standout memories I have is in the first area we went into like a church or mm-hmm. something and you go to talk to this one guy and you get in dialogue and it's going to go to combat Yeah. now something with the Divinity system is when somebody else was actively in dialogue yeah 
but the other people weren't. You could move around and do whatever the fuck you wanted, right? That's not your problem. That's their problem. So I remember grabbing really heavy paintings, repositioning them around uh, an individual, and then putting my guy in there who's very melee focused. I'm like, welcome to the motherfucking Thunderdome. When uh-huh. combat broke out, that guy was fucked. Yes. Because um, he Which literally couldn't move. I, I want to say that this was stupid. Yes, this, the fact is, you could do this in the dumb. game was incredibly but dumb. It, it feels really good to feel like you've kind of like, uh, oh, it feels like I've pulled the wool over the dev's eyes. Clearly, yes. they haven't thought of this. Uh-huh. And like in the goblin camp in Act 1, we had a bard in our one party and they played music to have everybody come around. Meanwhile, we're like grabbing these barrels. We're like, we're just going to set this up here. Don't worry about a thing. And uh-huh. then when we were ready to go to combat, we nuked like 12 goblins at once. Oh and it felt awesome. Yeah. Now, granted, there were a lot more than 12 goblins. So combat still happened. Mm-hmm. But it, it felt like we had a leg up and we had figured out something cool. Yes. And that is, I think, a better uh, game design. Because as I said, I will always now have that memory. Of that good experience. I'm not right. going to talk about when we like fought some hyenas and then they died like that. Yeah, that was not eventful. It's like if if you're playing the game as it's expected, as you expect it to be played, and as the de- designers and developers expect it to be played, generally that's not a memorable experience unless like somebody dies in a cutscene, right? But if they make a game that can be a sandbox, dare I say, an immersive sim. I'm just kidding. I don't know if it's actually an immersive sim or not, but it kind (laughs) of is. It kind of is. You can go you can go uh, uh, like stealth through things. You can skip things entirely. Um, There's a lot of freedom for how you interact with the game, whether it's true or not, um, that you're doing things that the developers never intended. uh, It's entirely plausible that you are. And that's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes to make a memory. You're just like, I just broke it. And that was the same thing to their credit. That's what people remembered from when we played D&D is when they did something that they knew I wasn't anticipating mm-hmm. something I had not planned for. And then they just like crushed an encounter or, you know, took something that should have been like an hour long ordeal and cut it short to like a minute. They remember that uh, because they, they won one over on me and you yeah. can w- win one over over an encounter in Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, I also love that there's now like story swapping because mm-hmm. when Divinity 2 was played, no one else had fucking played that game. Nobody. Yeah, so I Dave was have, actually the first person to play Divinity I didn't 2. have other people like talk to about it. I'm not somebody who's going to go on a forum. But with Baldur's Gate 3, so many people I know were playing. Yeah. So it was really cool to be like, hey, did you come across this one thing? Oh, how did you handle it? Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And then just having those theory- stories shared back and forth um another story i really enjoyed also pertaining to that spider cave i didn't forget mm-hmm. is um we went to the spider cave to kind of share share jesus mm-hmm. my words are off tonight i'm not sure why uh, we too went excited. To, ah, <laughs> it's so fun so after we beat the spider we wanted to steal a jewel that was nearby mm-hmm. and there was this giant pit in the ground kind of uh, surrounded by the spider boss encounter mm-hmm. and one of our party members Max shout out Max um, was like hey I have an idea I just want to try something so he takes like a scroll of feather fall and he's like can I just jump in the hole and see what happens mm. and he just jumps in the hole we're like oh what what's he doing 
And then he's like, guys, guys, I'm getting a, I'm getting an animation, I'm getting a loading screen. We're like, what the fuck? And so uh, we go click on Max's portrait to see what he's seeing. And he has now jumped into the Underdark. Yeah. So he's gone to a whole new area through a random fucking hole in the ground. And that for us was so mind-blowing because we're already subterranean. Yeah. We're already under the ground to a degree. And now there's this whole other layer of an explorable area that we didn't even know fucking existed. And that was such like a big aha moment where it's like, what else is in store for me? Yeah. And it was just a very fun, cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. The game the game definitely has those moments. Um, and I think whether you're really familiar with Forgotten Realms or you're completely new to it, that actually it'll give you some of those moments regardless of which side of the fence you are. If you're really familiar with Forgotten Realms would be like you'll be the Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the like I know that meme, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. that one, it's that thing. <laughs> um and if you uh don't, then some of these discoveries such as like the very nature of the underdark um could be really cool in their own right or the creatures that live in the underdark, right? Um so it's great. Uh, it's basically the best representation of D&D. I, definitely the best representation of D&D I've ever played. Um, they, re- they need to remake Planescape. That's that's what I want. I want Larian to remake Planescape. But Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, mechanically, very satisfying. Uh, it lets you do things like multi-classing, um, which is an optional rule at the table, right? And admittedly, you don't need to multi-class in D&D or in Baldur's Gate 3. But it can be fun to just mix it up a little bit. The only way to do it wrong, I would say, is if you take one level in every class. (laughs) That will not make a strong character. (laughs) Uh, But you will end up with Eldritch Blast at some point, and it'll fire three beams, so you're not doing too bad. It's unavoidable to get yeah. just, everybody has to get it as a part of their playthrough. <laughs> if you take a point in every class, then you 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 will have <laughs> you will have it by the end. But um, quick question for you, yeah. How did you feel about the romance in Baldur's Gate Three? Uh, I like that there's an option. There's a multiplayer option to like share intimate scenes or not. You can literally just toggle whether other people see if something happens. Um, now, if you this is for the the physical romance, I will say the emotional aspect of it, like how the characters are portrayed and their interactions with each other, I really like that. But I think that's just a continuation of Larry and making very believable characters. Yes, um, maybe they get attached to each other a little bit faster than <laughs> would happen. But this is a documented thing. You put people in stressful situations; they form bonds quickly. If I'm fighting to save the world, uh, I want to fuck somebody. That's, <laughs> that's how I de-stress from the, the day's events. Um, I, I literally, I, I know you have a point to go to. I literally yes. remember this as a real life thing at some point. It was like, um, don't ask someone to marry you after taking them skydiving or something like that. Because oh, it yeah. will increase the, the chance rush. that they do it because of that stress and that rush and stuff like that. But it also means that you're asking them in an altered state to make a long-term commitment. Which makes you a predator. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's my side. <laughs> I was going to say, I also agree with you that the romance stuff seems to happen kind of quick. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're like, hey, what's up? They're like, fuck you. You're like, okay. Uh, a day later, you're like, hey, what's up? They're like, oh, 
not, not much. What's up with you? Day three. Uh-huh. Hey, what's up? I like you. And I was like, huh? Uh-huh. So I feel like it would be better to kind of space it out longer across the acts. That's something I really liked about Divinity 2. Because oh, yeah. I, I don't remember the characters' names in Divinity 2. I was playing as Fane, who was an mm-hmm. origin character, and the rogue I was dating or, I guess, on good terms with. Yeah. Do you remember her name? If not, it's fine. I don't. It feels like there's an I or an L or something in there. I'm going to look it up while you do this, okay. and I'm just going to interrupt that? you with whatever um, it was. There wasn't really, like, a whole lot of um, romancing back and Sabeel, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of romancing back and forth. There were, like, flirting. Maybe some minor things were said in dialogue, but there was, like, a point later. I'd say, like, maybe 10 hours from the end of the game mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, this is an option. Like, you've completed this person's quest. You're on good terms with them. Is this going to happen? And then it goes into a narration, right? Mm-hmm. The narration was made infinitely funnier by the fact that my character was a skeleton. Uh-huh. Uh, so anything that they were describing, I was like, LOL. <laughs> boner. It, boner. Yes, it's, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was like that. Um, but it felt more earned because it was done over such a stretch of time. Yes. So I would have wished that for Baldur's Gate 3 or anything they do in the future, to kind of space it out more so it feels more earned. It's not like, Mm-hmm. week two because there's like a lazel sex speed run and she's yeah. like the fastest one you can romance um it was literally like bugged or they at least patched it to make it take longer yeah um <laughs> I, like i'm looking at the picture i sent dave because the the youtube picture is just uh the big big text sex is gone an x over lazel's face and then like a saluting emoticon <laughs> or emoji and it's just like it's the funniest freaking yeah. thing but yeah. also like i will say i did enjoy like the random romance stuff that kind of came up as options yeah mm-hmm. like uh with mizora she's a character who reoccurs not a part of your party mm-hmm. um but it was cool to see that as an option yeah uh, there's also harlep which I thought was like a cool thing to have added into the game. Um, you know what the highlight was? The best one. And this is yeah. for people at this point, you're in mild spoilers. We're not tell- talking about the end of the game, but um, there's basically a like lovers ask questions about each other segment uh, in the game. And it's so good. It's just you are prompted with questions of like, what is this person's desires? What do they want to do in this situation? Uh, what would their favorite color be here? Well, you know, whatever. Right. And it's just like you can intuit if you've been paying attention to the character that you're, you're, you're romancing, what a lot of the answers should be. But if you weren't, you wouldn't be able to. And it's just it's very cool to just throw this in the middle of a high fantasy world stakes video game right so yeah all right we're we've about 10 minutes left um i feel like we've covered mechanics and why the game's so fucking good Hmm. uh i do want to ask what would be like a standout event or character for you like give me a a highlight banger that like sticks with you doesn't have to be your top we can do multiple gotcha and if you need it i can so for me i'm so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do one one for each, but one of them's one of them will be fast. For event, I just like how busted my character became at the end of the game. Like there were so many fights where it's like this looks pretty tough. Like this guy has a lot of hit points. There's a lot of enemies or something like that. And then it's just 
broken, right? And it's broken in ways that it's impossible to do in the tabletop game. There are no elixirs of bloodlust in the tabletop game to get extra actions. That's not a thing. Um, loved that. It felt good. It was a power trip by the end. Jake, um, what's your favorite encounter in the game? Uh, all of them because my dude's so cool. <laughs> He's so cool and so strong. It was only. It was mostly at like mid game and on that it got like yeah a your little build bit was ridiculous. Really complete, I'd say there was a point where Dave was Dave had had a character who's like main villain. Like the wrapping up of their arc was killing this bad guy. And they've made like an attack or something, and then it was like my character's turn. I'm just like Legolas, basically rapid firing arrows into this guy for like the remainder of the health bar. And you're like, glad I could hit him once. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, and that was kind of fun. I felt a little bad, but it was more funny than bad. Um, but I, I have to be a sucker and say my character had a romance with Shadowheart, and I think she's a great character. She, dude, she's so hot. She's, it's not even she, not no, she's even, a great character too i'm she, not she is a, she is a great character she's just incredibly sassy yeah and but i, but I also am attracted to sass that's fair i like mm-hmm. a sassy lady mm-hmm. an assassin sabeel <laughs> we're right back um what about a non-playable character Ooh, uh one you can't play as that you really like um i liked mole I think her name is or Mole, the uh, the T-Flow. Yeah, yeah, M O L. Um, because she, I had more interactions with her in my my single player. Uh, she straight up like starts a countdown if you go to her her cave, uh, before like she likes you or you've done anything to like get in her good graces as far as helping the other kids, and she's just like counting down until like uh she wants you to leave. Right, I like missed the countdown accidentally because i like got stuck or something and she straight up just leaves the area she's like all right well i'm not dealing with this i'm out (laughs) later she likes me more because i saved all these other kids and things but you can like go through the game and like have this kid hate you i think (laughs) which is very funny um and she she has like a character arc that could sort of be justifiable as like an origin character almost like it crisscrosses major players in the game it's very cool nice i definitely didn't do as much with more outside of um what we did in act one mm-hmm. but because uh, she's the one with Raphael in act two right or am i confusing her with someone else i think you're confusing her i could be somebody makes a pact i can't remember i could be confusing i forget her. it might be yeah. um anyways but a good segue, because Raphael is one of the best characters, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I think a lot of people liked Asterion because he's very dramatic, flagrant, um, sassy. But to me, he's an asshole, right? Uh-huh. Like, he hasn't done anything to earn my respect. Granted, I did not play with him that much to really have a, a better context of him but Raphael showed up so many times and he has so much sass and he is a powerful devil and he controls so much but he's very much a thespian as mm-hmm. far as how everything is like played out like a great drama right and it's just so cool yeah uh, all of his stuff you know what is thick 
his his yeah. thing that I, I love the most, it was near the I think it was near his introduction, is he will not let you take his bargain because he's like, I want you to exhaust your other avenues. I want you to see how pointless it is yeah. to accomplish this goal without siding with me. He literally he's so freaking cocky, right? Yes. Like and I I love that. Like what kind of a villain is just like, you can't take my deal yet. I'm going to show you how desperate you are first, and then you can take my deal. Like, the writing is just, it's so good. No, it's really good. Um, yeah, he's just a great character throughout. And then in, like, that final conflict with him, when, like, the music pops in, mm-hmm. holy shit. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everyone, like, had a holy shit what moment when uh-huh. I was talking to them about it. But it really does amp up the experience. But like going into his house and like trying to steal something, uh, coming across Harlep, his sex clone. Uh-huh. Um, there's so much stuff makes the character very interesting. And then also how um, buttoned up he mm-hmm. is, I guess. Like he very much has he always wants to put on a good face. He doesn't want to ever show weakness or anything he's very prim very proper uh, mm-hmm. about his business um but no just really fucking cool you also know what I... withers great character just because yes. sassy and funny um it withers is a master class and like how do you have a character not say much of anything but imply so much yeah like there's there are a lot of games out there like show don't tell right that's the the classic uh, phrase but like there are so many games out there where it's just like a dialogue dump of information it's like oh this is an important character therefore they must tell you a lot of important things not if you're no. doing storytelling <laughs> well right <laughs> um yeah i was gonna mention for Raphael the other thing that's kind of cool this is the peek behind the scenes this is the dm thing this is like <laughs> this is where really... we go off the rails what's really cool about him is he's such an awesome intriguing character and he's literally a Cambian. He's half fiend. Or I guess, uh, yeah, fiend would be anything from Infernal. So, yeah. So, like, he was, he's he's like a half, half blood, basically, devil. So he's not even, like, high on the tier list of, like, the cool devils in the fiction. But he is very powerful. And he's shown as very powerful. And he has all of this stuff going on. And it, what it does that I love about it from a world building perspective is you can see like in your mind's eye, you're like, how cool must the arch fiends be? Right. Yeah. Like the, the arch fiends aren't even portrayed in Baldur's Gate 3, but they could have an entire DLC or campaign or follow up game about them. And I know it would be awesome. Right. Yeah. It, they really do kind of show how powerful the gods are. When basically a lot of your interactions are with just their champions. Uh huh. Also, yeah. shout out J.K. Simmons. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, the chosen. Oh my gosh. All the chosen characters are really good too. Uh, or in the red, also mm-hmm. voiced by Lady D. Uh, mm-hmm. If anybody doesn't know, also simping for her. Um, but I love her design and also just how her character plays out. Um, really fucking cool. Really fucking yeah. cool. Yeah, there's a so much of this. I don't know for people who play D and D. Like, I feel like you have to play Baldur's Gate because it's just like just the idea of chosen, right? It's like the gods can't interfere, but they can pick favorites, 
right? Yeah. It's like, how cool must their favorites be? What would they be capable of? And this game delves into that. It absolutely does. Um, yeah, it's... Man, I could name so many other characters and stuff mm-hmm. and events too, but... Let it's me very memorable. Of, let me bookend this by saying the only real complaints I've had about the game have been some like bugs that uh-huh. have happened throughout where something doesn't quite work as expected or there's some graphical issue or something like that where it's just it comes down to they need more QA time yeah and I know mm-hmm. it's a big fucking game and they had this this is the release date type thing but it definitely would have been better if those were cleaned up yep because it definitely takes away from the game a little bit mm-hmm. I'm still very much on the train where I love it wholeheartedly even with its flaws mm-hmm. but it would have been nice not to have those flaws at all yeah but if I had to pick right now Gun to my head between Baldur's Gate 3 and Divinity 2. Mm-hmm. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is a better game. Yeah. But I, I do like the surface system of Divinity 2. Mm-hmm. And their progression of romance stuff. I think that's but entirely Baldur's Gate fair. Baldur's Gate 3 is, I think, a more interesting storyline. Characters are more interesting. Mm-hmm. The world's fucking interesting. It just has so much going for it. The last act. And I've also good. played it more recently than <laughs> Divinity 2. <laughs> yes. I agree. I agree. This is kind of heresy, but like for a video game, I liked the divinity system more than D and D's system mm-hmm. for a video game. So you liked having? Are you referring to like how many actions you had? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I like the action pips in Divinity, and they could have done this right. Like I like the service surf, surface system, the all of that stuff we talked about. Um, it doesn't actually. This is the thing. This is what wizards need to be worried about are the absolute high points that come from Baldur's Gate 3 are Larian breathing life into the setting and Larian's characters and their portrayal of characters that existed within Forgotten Realms. It's actually not the system. 5e has very little to do with how awesome and successful Baldur's Gate 3 is. Um... And when I say they have to be worried about it, I don't know what that threat actually is. I don't think they're going to split off and make their own tabletop game to compete with D&D. Um, but well, that would be the perfect game for me. And they, they should also change the multiplayer interactions when you're talking to yes. make sure like multiple people can interact with the conversation at once. Yeah, it is weird when there's like four people here and one person's like the only one talking like yeah. this. Um and they do the NPC thing, right? Where you're talking to a character and maybe some NPC that's in your party will like butt in with some remark or whatever, which is good. I like that. All games should have that. But it's you, you can be cognizant of the fact you're playing a multiplayer game and the other player can't do that, right? Yeah. That would be that would make it the perfect game for me. The things you mentioned in that. So one final question for you, Jake. I know we've discussed this a little bit uh, off podcast, but I even forget what my thoughts were on it. I'll mm. need to buy time. But if you could see the Larian treatment taken to another franchise or game, what would you like to see the next Larian game of? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, hmm. I mean, so this has proven that they can take like a really uh, like deep world and portray it better than it's ever been portrayed, right? Like, they pronounce words in D&D 
ways that are teaching me that the words are pronounced that way because they put that much effort into understanding how everything lives in Forgotten Realms. Yeah, what are you, geek? Yeah, exactly, geek. <laughs> I, I I freaking love that. It's very funny. Um, so I feel like I would have to pick a setting that uh, like has that depth that they could kind of like explode into. the The cop out answer. I don't want to go with this, but this is the bide bide time. Is if they were to make like a Lord of the Rings game, it would be really good. I was also thinking about that just because I don't think any of the Lord of the Rings games to date mm-hmm. have really been great um mm-hmm. i know was it shadow of mordor yeah um that's the least well. canon lord of the rings game yeah. they've made too yeah but like it also has such like a deep lore uh, mm-hmm. in that universe where it would be cool to explore yeah i think that's fair i think my actual answer would have to be something sci-fi though because i would love to see them branch out beyond fantasy and see what they could do if they're just like this is the future. This is some interstellar interstellar thing. Um, absolutely no to Starfield. It's a joke. Cyber, at this point. Cyberpunk. <laughs> I mean, cyberpunk. I, I think they would actually do really well with cyberpunk. I was thinking something like along the lines of um, like a Battlestar Galactica type thing, just with the characters, okay. their interactions. I feel like they could do that drama better than um, the show did. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to pick like a bad thing because they're so good at making characters. What what for you though? You've had some time. I've taken all the I know you were just thinking Battlestar Galactica right off the jump. Um uh, what shit, would shit, you shit. pick? I'm to scrolling throw through into? Steam in a panic. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh Mirror's Edge. No. Uh <laughs> so for me, I mean, okay, my go-to answer for like here's something I enjoy exploring mm-hmm. is what it means to be human and what it means to be an android so okay. like westworld type plot mwah, love it yeah so yeah. i would like to see something like that where it's how far are you willing to push things what do you actually view as humanity versus well that's just that's just a robot that has no feelings that doesn't matter what i do to it you want deus ex um, kind of yeah. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you want Detroit too human. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say something in that space, mm-hmm. kind of Deus Exe, or honestly, Magic of the Gathering has Ooh. a lot of cool lore. That would be really good. Man, that's a good answer. And they already have the partnership like with Wizards through Baldur's Gate, so it's not even a stretch. But it would be this... so weird to have like a Magic the Gathering Universe RPG. That's not playing the card game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you'd blend that in. Um, That'd be funny. They have all of that like prepared, though. That fit, fits the criteria of this is a very established world, yeah. right? Or worlds, in the case of Magic. What's also funny is, because in the Magic Universe, I mean, they had like a D&D Forgotten Realms set, and then they had all these characters from Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the DLC, is what you're yeah. saying. The <laughs> DLC for Baldur's Gate 3 will be... I cast Tasha's magic. Hideous Laughter. Uh, mill cards from your library until... <laughs> uh-huh. The Eldrazi do not respect Tasha's Hideous Laughter. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just... That would be a cool setting, at least. I think so. 
That's a good answer. I do like that. But if you are a member of Larian and you know what ideas you have for your next game, send that in. Let us know. <laughs> we can tell everybody else. Uh, so, so podcast at gmail.com. Or if you just want to come in and talk, any member of Larian, anybody, uh, we can have you on the uh, have you on the podcast. We're scheduled out for a long time, but 2025 or so, we can probably fit you in. Um, send in your thoughts, requests for new episodes, ideas, aspirations, hopes, dreams, soapsumpodcast at gmail.com, or join the, the swarm on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Hey, Dave here. Normally I just have like a little goodbye, but I wanted to add something special for everybody. Um, I just want you to let you know it's okay to be geek. It does get better. <laughs>